Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Reasons to be Joyful. On today's episode, I am so thrilled to welcome one of the most joyful and life-affirming humans on the planet, the Reverend Kate Botley. Kate is so full of life and joy and humour and wisdom and she's a Church of England priest, a radio and TV presenter, a journalist and now an author and I love her. Her new book, Have a Little Faith, is a warm, wise and wonderful read which I can highly recommend to everyone. Kate finds the joy in everything, and I hope this episode will put a smile on your face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Kate Botley, um, <laughs> Reverend, the first time you met who? Kylie Minogue. Boom. Let's start There's like the name this. drop. Uh, Ka- the first time I met Kylie Minogue, I accidentally curtsied. How can you accidentally curtsy? I-, I don't know what happened. Something came over me in like a sort of She's like royalty, right? Yeah, no, she is. So it just—it was like an—it was like an instinct of sort of, I sort of bobbed. Did she notice? Place. It was either that or genuflecting. You know, it was like there was like a holiness about her. She did notice, and then I realised that I'm actually shorter than her. No. And we stood back to back, and she was a good inch taller than me. And then the second time I met Kylie, so I have to just go back on that. Go on. You're you're shorter than Kylie Minogue. Shorter than Kylie Minogue. Yeah, I know crazy she's really short as well I'm shorter <laughs> anyway uh, the second time I met her she remembered my name I don't think she did I think it was a proper devil wears Prada Miranda Priestly moment of the assistant behind her going a reverend Kate Bartlett like that but we met in the toilets at Radio 2 she I'm was sorry, touching no. up lipstick no you know, of course it. she's going to oh, remember you on. how would anybody not know you <laughs> you're so sweet no seriously everybody I know knows you but I don't mean they knows you, know you. They haven't come up and hugged you like I'm able to do. But they all know you. Everybody thinks of you as their friend. Everybody knows you, no matter whether they're um, young or old, whether they watch the shows or don't watch the shows, whether they listen to you or don't listen to you, whether they have read your book or not read your book. <laughs> whether they're religious. And I was going to say, in all religions have adopted you and they keep you really close to your heart. And you know that. What you a know sweet that. thing to say. Um, it's lovely to be um, the kind of nation's relig- appointed religious kind of person. I love it. I absolutely love it. And one of the things that's sometimes said to me, now I'm not a sort of jobbing parish priest anymore. I'm like a supply vicar these days. <laughs> so I pop up when people are off or ill or whatever. Um, and people go, oh, do you miss parish ministry? And I'm like, well, no, because it's... 
I'm still doing it. It's just a really yeah. weird sized parish and a really odd pulpit, you know. So I still, I still, obviously, I still do the weddings, the christenings, and the funerals and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I got talking to a bloke on the train and he recognised me off the telly box, and you know, just my job is smiling at people a lot, and I really, I really love it. It's my vocation. It's why I, it's not a job, is it? It's why I'm. It's why I feel like I'm on the earth. Is to just kind of go. It'll be all right. You're really loved. It'll be. It'll probably be all right. You, you're really loved, and you're a beautiful, gorgeous human. And let's draw that out of people. Um, and so it. Yeah. It. And it's funny because when I remember when I got ordained the night before I got ordained, I was really sad because a whole load of people while I was at vicar school had said to me, "Well, you won't be allowed to do that when you're a vicar." You won't be allowed to be like that. What, you know, like well, what? Just, what are they talking just about? Just sort of outgoing and loud and bubbly, you know. And the whole idea was that as a priest, you serve your community and you you sort of disappear a little bit behind the collar. You become a, a kind of blank canvas for other people to project what they need onto you. So I thought, oh, that doesn't sound like me. I'm no shrinking violet. That does not sound like me. And it's wonderful, you know, because I am more me now than I think I've ever been. Give me a microphone, give me a a brightly coloured frock, give me a book to write, give me a telly show to be on, and I just am filled with joy, and it's wonderful. This is so bizarre. I feel like I'm obviously there's no way I could be a vicar. I could be a (laughs) rabbi, I suppose, but but it's it's you feel the same about life as I do, and it's very, um, it, it you're very lucky to feel like that because there are a lot of people who don't, and you make people feel like that so that's the gift that you put out and it's it's interesting that it is quite a whether people believe in god Mm. or they have a belief in a spirituality Mm -hmm. or uh, um i was speaking to ben goldsmith the other night and he's after the tragic death of his daughter he's found a sort of uh, an energy and a spirituality in rewilding his farm and things like that so people have a feeling of religion or energy, but yet you make it safe to feel what we feel. That that's incredibly that's that's what I want to do. That's what I, I want to do. I want to give permission given. Because what I get is people walking up to me in the street, like it's just happened on the train on the way in, and they say to me, they open the sentence with, I'm not religious, but Do they every and time? I, every time. And I'm really interested in that but. And then they tell me something, Gabby, that's like Oh, I like lighting a candle. Or I discovered a new energy after the... And they can't use words like God and Christianity and Judaism or any... They can't organise it and quantify it and measure it. But they then tell me things like, I like to light a candle when I go into a church or I definitely hope that my my grand's in a better place, you know, and they use language like that. So I wonder if... It's not that we've lost our faith. It's not that... I think we're probably less religious than we certainly were. Um, and the the stats show that, don't they? The census forms show that. But I think that we still have that desire to understand that we're more than just walking, talking meat. You know, we're not just eating, sleeping, you know, breeding machines. We're more, there's more to it than that. And I just kind of want, I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit with religion. And it's like, I can't be religious. I totally understand that. But then I do believe in the universe or manifesting or energy or the power of love or something bigger than me. And I go, okay, let me interpret that for you. Let me try and curate that faith conversation with you in that gap between the religious and the secular. So when you were little, did you believe in God? Did you think... 
God is a, you know, like when lots of children think he's an old man with a long beard and he's watching over you going, are you being good? A so cosmic bit, Santa Claus. Yes, yeah, like Santa. <laughs> did, did you believe, did you, were you a believer when you were a child? I think lots of children are. I was christened as a baby like lots of people are. Um, but never taken to church, never taken to any sort of, we didn't, we didn't, not even a Christmas or Easter or anything like that. But I definitely prayed. I mean, mostly out of fear, I think. And also I, I felt an obligation to mention everybody who died. So I was trying to figure out, as a five-year-old, six-year-old, you suddenly become aware of mortality and fragility. You know, that's a really clear developmental stage, isn't it? And I think I definitely had that cosmic Santa Claus view. What's really interesting to me is that lots of grown-ups have never moved on from that. So when people talk about the God they don't believe in, I don't believe in that God either. I don't believe in a male God. I don't believe in a female God either. I don't believe in someone who sits on a cloud controlling the weather with a beard. I don't believe in any of that. I believe in something much more nuanced and beautiful and complicated and difficult and frustrating. And it's a little bit like we're trying to understand something that is completely incomprehensible. I tell a story in the book about, you know, when people go, and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'm never doing it, by the way. Well, never say never. But um, they they eat the kangaroo testicle. And, and they go, what does it taste like? I can't do a Geordie accent. I'm not bothered. <laughs> um, uh, what does it taste like? And they always go, it tastes like chicken. Well, of course, kangaroo testicle does not taste like chicken. Well, have you tasted it? No, but kangaroo testicle tastes like kangaroo testicle, right? But because nobody's tasted it, like I haven't, you can only use the language that you have to compare it to something. You can only use metaphor. You can only say it tastes like chicken. And when we're talking about God or energy or power or the universe, whatever you want to call it, our words are so limiting. They, they're not enough to describe what that might be. And so we say it's a man on a cloud with a beard because we say it tastes like chicken, because we cannot... How can our tiny, weeny, fragile, fallible human brains conceive of something that is infinite and unique? What I, what answer do you give? I actually had this conversation with a rabbi only yesterday because I was he was telling me about something. And um, what do you say to the people who get hurt, upset, angry, whatever word you want to give... Uh, when they say, look what's happening in the world. Mm. Why did my child die? Why do, Why is there cancer? Why is there flooding? Why is there climate change? Why is the, you know, yeah. all we, we're all waking up to the most horrific news every single day. Yes. We can't deny that. And then they question belief. Yeah. And so, rightly so. Yeah. And that's what he said. And rightly so. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, if I knew that, you know, that would be it, wouldn't it? We'd, we'd have done it. Um, I don't think God is some sort of cruel puppet master who tests us by chucking horrible stuff at us. How could I? You know, not not to get too heavy, Gabby, but I walk alongside people at the most vulnerable moments in their life. You know, I've watched mums carry coffins into church of their own children. It, I stand there and scream and shout alongside them. And I don't know. But that's the nature of faith. It's not called sure. It's called faith and it's a nuance and it's a belief in something that we don't fully comprehend. And I have to take the rough with the smooth. I, I will be sure to ask the right questions when I get there and want the answers. But until then, I think my job is to love people as much as I possibly can and to allow other people to love me. And the rest will figure out as we go along. So I, it, it's not an answer. 
because there is no answer to that question because that's the ultimate question isn't it why is there evil and suffering in the universe we don't know um but as a as a as a christ as a person who, who sort of is signed up at the office of the christian faith for me i do get a lot of comfort in this idea that jesus himself whatever you think about him um was on the cross and said my god my god why have you forsaken me so even he said where the hell are you in that moment of his suffering and for me there's a real kind of solidarity in that that the very kind of leader of my faith had that real human moment of going i don't where where the hell are you god i don't i'm struggling here so everyone can question so everyone can question yeah. even the son of god god himself questioned where the hell are you so it, there's a solidarity in that that this is something that connects us all is these questions we have about human suffering you know and we're not immune those of us who are professionally religious are not immune to any of this stuff how, some days i don't believe a word of it how could i you know you've gone through you know only recently some mm. utterly heartbreaking stuff um that we all actually have to go through but it doesn't make it any easier but there is a shared community yeah. out there of people who've gone through it as well but interestingly the rabbi yesterday the thing he said, and the word you've used a lot, and that every time I, I see you, you use the word. Every time I hear you on radio, on television, the word love. And it, I think we all use it um, possibly too easily, but maybe we don't listen enough to what love should be. So what is love to you? It is the most complicated, joyous, beautiful thing in the world. And it comes, it, it's the essence of the divine. It is the purest, cleanest water, the food that feeds you. It's the arms that hold you. It's a choice sometimes, you know. I've been with my husband for 30 years. We've been married for 25. And some days I have to choose to love that boy. <laughs> and he has to choose to love me. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Good, you're normal then. Absolutely, of course. You know, when he eats crisps, I want to punch him in the head. Um, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't really... How about crunching apples? Oh, my Oh, goodness. worse. Worse than crisps. Crunching there, apples. There's a man on the train who had to move carriages. Same. I do that. <sighs> I do that. Or chewing... Nah, 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 Goodness chewing gum. me. Clacking I forget my... Gum. I have to slip the dog collar off because I'm <laughs> just going to... I'm just going to, like, loo... Yeah, do you course, do that? Of course I do. Yeah, of course I do. On the tube, Some, you suddenly yeah, just sort of pull yeah, it off. Sometimes you just think I can't, I can't. I'm done with being nice today. I need to, I'm, because I'm gonna, you know, I'm PR for Jesus here, so <laughs> I, I'm gonna let him down. Is what I always think. I need to just slip that out because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something I really shouldn't say. So, and you, you must get it all the time. You open your big mouth, and then someone goes, "Excuse me, you that woman off the table?" <laughs> you go, oh no, I've been got, I've been got. Um, you asking about love? It's. It, it's also frustrating, but it is, it's what sustains me. You know, the idea, I believe in a bigger power in the universe that created love. Love was this power's idea. The idea that the author of love in the universe loves me and loves you just blows my tiny mind. And that that love is unconditional and sustained. It will not, even if I did the worst thing in the world, and other people can't love me and I can't love myself. This idea that the author of love in the universe loves me is just incredible. And, and loving I, yourself is yeah, important. Well, that's the said. thing you say, because, you know, the, the great commandment, which goes through all religions, golden rule, as we call it, uh, love one another as you love yourself. 
Well, the most important thing in that sentence is love one another as you love yourself. So love yourself is the first. So if you hate yourself, you can't love anybody else. And it's... Is that the golden rule? I've never... So it's called the golden... golden rule. It's in Buddhism, it's in Sikhism, it's in Hinduism. Buddhism's not a religion, it's a philosophy, but um, it's in all the six major world religions. It's the same tenet in all of them. It unites us all. It's called the golden rule. I was very lucky to go to a, a Sikh wedding recently. Oh, lovely, and a Gurdwara. Oh, it was gorgeous. Did you have fun? Fantastic. Great. But loads it, of food in the langar in the kitchen. Yeah, it was like a Jewish wedding. Yeah, yeah. There's Amazing. food everywhere. <laughs> food everywhere. But it was, it, the, the word love kept coming up and it's about spreading love. Because that's all we want, love. right? Yeah. That's all we want as broken, fallible human beings. All we want is for someone to go, you're all right, you, you're loved. Yes. You're yeah. important, you matter. And, I, you know, there's a lot about religion that I struggle with. My own religion, other people's religion, I find it really difficult. And I'm signed up, like I say, at the office, you know. I'm a professional religious person. A, a woman at church, an old lady at church uh, a long time ago said to me, you don't let religion put you off God, love. And I really <laughs> hold on to that. That's I really hold on to it. such a great line. It's a great line, isn't it? And I think that's what we've done. I think I think we've we've sort of gone, well, I can't believe that. So I've just got rid of the whole concept of something higher than me and this idea of spirituality. If you think of it as like three... so I talk about this in the book. If you, you think of it as sort of like a Venn diagram with three rings, you know, and I think the quest... I think the quest as humans is to be as well connected with ourselves as we possibly can be, to know and love ourselves as much as we can. And then the next circle is to know and love other people, to be connected with others. No man is an island entire of himself, as John Donne said. But then the third circle for me is this idea to be connected with something that's bigger than you. And you feel it. You feel it when the baby's born. You feel it when you stood on the mountaintop. You feel it when you connect with a stranger and you have a lovely chat and the hairs stand upon your back and your neck and you go, oh my goodness, it's, what a beautiful world. And that sweet spot in the middle where we know ourselves, know others and know that there's something bigger than me in the world. It ain't all about me. I know it's a shock, right? Um, that's the sweet spot. And that's what I'm, that's the constant quest for me is to find that bit in the middle. Your your book is is an absolute gift. Is that how you wrote it as a gift? Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously you want people to buy it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. It took a lot of persuading. I've got a mortgage to pay and all that sort of stuff, but it was hard work. I think that's why I was so reluctantly dragged into it, but like most things in my life, the things I'm dragged into are usually the things that are the most fruitful. A little bit like being ordained as a priest. You know, I really didn't want <laughs> to do dragged it. Dragged into that. Yeah, very much so. So you dragged into your book, dragged into TV and dragged into being a priest. Yeah, and then you sort of Blossom where you planted, don't you? You bloom where you planted. That's the gig, you know. And I think anybody, being a priest is a bit like being a politician. If anyone says they want to be one, they probably shouldn't be one. <laughs> you know, it's the vocation of it, isn't it? It's not, it's not a job, it's a vocation. So, you know, I'll be brutally honest. Initially, I thought, oh, that'll pay the mortgage for six months. But, um, <laughs> You know, being ordained doesn't pay anything, darling. Um, especially now, I'm voluntary. Um, so I thought, oh, you know, a cynical me, because, you know, that I'm, I'm just, just the same. I mean, I think that's what Gogglebox showed is that's why we did Gogglebox. I just want to go, we're just like everybody else, you know, yeah, yeah, just because yeah. we're religious. But you also have to pay the mortgage. Yeah, of course. Yes. And yeah, Jesus don't buy school shoes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So, you know, and then the writing process was really difficult because it's so introvert. I mean, I don't know how you find it, but, you know, being a professional show off, the idea that there was no one to clap at the end of a chapter. <laughs> I was like, could someone just give me a round of applause and tell me I'm doing a good job? You know, so did you did you read it to people? Did you let people no, read it? No, I, I, I still won't let Graham read it. I won't let anyone. I, I, it's mortifying when people go, I'm reading your book. I'm like, oh, please don't. It'll be in the works so for two funny. quid by Christmas. Um, Yeah, it's just, because it's also in black and white, right? I mean, I know that everything we say online, on socials, on telly is there forever these days anyway. But there was something about bearing it was almost confessional but yeah it's supposed to help it's not a celebrity memoir yeah, it's not stories no. of me on drunken nights out with claire balding you know it's not that kind you of thing you have had those please uh, have you i think i've had one she's a hoot oh she's fantastic she's a hoot anyway it's not that we nearly set fire to her on the wheel you know we did the christmas celebrity special of the wheel <laughs> together and her chair malfunctioned and there was smoke rising out the back of national well, wherever she goes there's always smoke <laughs> rising out of you know because she is, she's a goddess, another goddess. She's not queen, she's goddess. <laughs> she has her, she has her own dry ice machine wherever she goes. <laughs> um, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's life lessons, is what it is. You know, I came to fame sat on, sat on a sofa watching telly, but it's not the only sofa I've sat on. I've sat on a lot of people's sofas as in my job as a priest, and despite not feeling like. I've learnt very much. They have taught me a few things, these people. Oh, that's exactly what They've I was going to say. Me a that's few what things. your book's about. And I've gathered things yeah. along the way. You know, my, you know, my perspective's changed about things like birth and marriage and, and death, especially in light of my mum's death back in January. You know, and you're learning stuff all the time. And also, I've got to the depleting oestrogen stage where people look at you as the wise woman of the village now. <laughs> You know, and they go, right, okay, but you what have you learned? But I reckon you were wise as a child. You have a tremendous, you've got very, I don't know how you feel about spirituality and all of those things, but, I, but I'll ask you in a sec. But, but you f I feel that you are one of those people that knew a lot when you were very little. You were very wise and you, you carry that wisdom 
lightly. I was I was raised by some very strong and clever women, despite um, none of them would ever say, never passed an exam in their lives, my aunties and my mum. Um, you know, big working class family, very matriarchal um, and full of kindness and love and generosity and loud. You know, if I tell you, Gabby, I'm one of the quieter members of my family, I'm the shy one. I love them already. <laughs> Come to come to our yeah. house as well. Just two daughters. The loud. My husband is there, sitting yeah. with his fingers in his ears. Yes, yeah. big loud. boobs, big bums, loud. huge hips, lots of lots of food, lots of generous, you know, generous nature, lots of laughter. Um, and what I hope that I do, what I aim to do, is to take really big things and make them understandable so really big truths really big theological points really big ideas and try and make them understand because somehow we've we've religion has become sort of the preserver the intellectual or the th you know and I'm like actually we own this folk religion is really important to me you know so my when my when my mum was very ill a few years ago she's been ill she was ill for a long time I remember the aunties gathering around the bedside. None of them have ever, you know, never been churchgoers. None of them confirmed or anything like that. But in that moment, you know, should we say a prayer, our Katie? You know, all that. And I just have such respect. And I think sometimes organised religion dismisses the value of somebody lighting a candle. Yeah. Or praying or going, well, I hope. I hope my granny's in heaven. And not knowing what any of that means, because none of us know what it means. Even the. But were you like that as a child? I bet you were. I I did. I had, one of my first books was a, a. I mean, I only started. I only became. I only became religious, if in a formal sense, when I was about fourteen, fifteen, and I had a sort of classic conversion experience, really, and that was because I fancied a boy at school, and he was the vicar's son, so I went along to church, in order to get you know, in order to get in with him. So I only went for a snog and ended up with a dog collar what really was one wine in mind we that's graham we we got married as you know yes um but i definitely had a sense of caring and serving and i remember my primary school teacher thought i was going to be a nurse she said that quite early on that she thought i would be in a caring profession and i used to think very deeply you know i used to read a lot and think very deeply and i got into shakespeare and taught chaucer when i was about 11 and mm. all that sort of stuff so our Katie was definitely the clever one and definitely willing to to think, do some thinking. Um, but that's not a coat you easily wear when you come from my kind of background. You know, it's um, first one to go to university. I mean, first first generation full female literacy. Mm. My, you know, mm. my mum couldn't really read and write. My granny certainly couldn't. You know, so it, it's it's powerful stuff, really. It's the, it's I said this in the book. It, it's really important to look back down the mountain every now and again. Because we're so busy on focusing on where we're going and what we haven't achieved yet, that actually part of your success is to audit how far you've come. But also being in the moment. And I do get that you live in the moment. You know, it's living in the now. And I think so So many people, I, and I, I always bang on about it, and people just go, how do you do it? But, you know, we, we spend all so much time, oh, I did that last week. Oh, and I've, I've got this to look forward to. But hold on, this moment, we're never going to have this moment again. That second is just gone. And that's that, you know, that Venn diagram we were talking yeah. about. That's that connection with others. So we're having it right now. We're having this beautiful connection, a lovely chat, a lovely conversation. We might not see each other for another, who knows how long. But those connections are such beautiful golden times that we're made for as human beings. You know, that's this is what we were created for. Actually, that's what I think a lot of L older 
and elderly people missed out on. I think COVID was huge for for the very young and the very old. And I think we're going to just get the knock-on effect from it now because there's such an increase in dementia. There's such an increase in in children's um, mental health issues. And I think because you, because of that connection, everybody missed out for mm. such a long time with just even one-on-one, mm. just talking to somebody else. It's and I tough, think there's it? a, yeah, there's a, a lot of problems, I think, that are going to come from that. D- but I get the feeling that you automatically connect with everybody. I can't imagine you not <laughs> connecting with somebody. I try really hard. I mean, sometimes, you know... What, you, to not connect? Well, no, to connect. <laughs> you know, you, 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 there is a wonderful story. Uh, Jesus, when he sends out the disciples, says, uh, if you go to a place you're not made welcome, shake the dust off your feet and leave. And in those days, feet were... Oh, take me through that. Oh, great. So he sends out the disciples to yeah. go and do the thing. And he says, look, if you go to a place... And they don't make you welcome. These are not your humans. It's okay to shake the dust off your feet and leave. Now, what you have to remember about feet in biblical times is they were akin to like sort of almost like genitals, actually. They were a very intimate part of the body. And so showing the soles of your feet at people was like an insult. You know, it was like, um, it was quite rude. You know, it was almost like sticking the V's up at somebody. So, and we we lose that in translation these days because it doesn't mean that to us, you know. But you still see it in some cultures you know, when people throw shoes or, you know, you're not allowed to put your feet up in certain cultures, are you? You know, because it's rude. Um so he would say, look, if you're not made welcome, just, it's fine. Just move on. Don't worry about it. Not everybody, not everyone is your cup of tea and that's okay. But that's so, okay, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so what happens is I'll start talking to somebody and it's quite clear they don't want anything to do with me. So you just bless and move on. And that's both in the face-to-face world and in the virtual world. You know, you ain't everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. That's okay. Who knows what they've got going on? You know, yes. who knows what, what their day has been like, what their story is. And so we just bless and we move on. And we just, you know, we just let them do what they do. Wish them no ill. Hope they have a better day tomorrow. That Shake is... the dust off your feet and just move I on. I love that. I, I had this uh, conversation with people all the time that when when somebody pulls out in the car and, and many people that we know probably get very angry, go, what are you doing? Don't remember. You never know. They might have just they might just be about to have a baby and they're rushing back to, to their partner or or somebody might be very ill or they might be really overexcited about something. You've got to remember that that's their path. It's not just that they're being rude. But it's Sometimes also people are. Of yeah. Course. But it's also self-preservation for us because, you know, I do the one we do is must be a brain surgeon on the way to do surgery. Yeah. That's the one we always do. When someone's driving like an idiot on the road, it must be a brain surgeon on his way to do surgery. That's what it's because that's not just for them, that's not just me trying to project good, but it's also for my own self-preservation because I can't believe that people are that mean. Yeah, I have to believe in the good in people. I have to because I have to believe in the good in me. You know, and I've I tell a story in the book about um, somebody I worked with who who had killed a child, and I went and did a piece of work with them, and it was impossible for me to comprehend what they had done. I could not allow myself to think too much mm. about what they'd done. And I had to work really hard to search for the humanity in them. But I had to believe, I ha- and that's the biggest challenge of my faith. The hardest thing about my faith is believing that nobody is defined by the worst thing that they've done. And that, and that's, that's really that, hard. That is. That is the real, you know, and this idea, we, you know, sometimes we wrap Christianity up and we've talked about it. We've just gone, oh, it's about love and joy. But it's also about, it's also work to have faith. Not just in you know, something bigger than yourself, but also in other people, means that you have. 
it's not an easy thing to see the love and the joy in everybody. It, it is graft and it takes work. I, do, I, do, I have this conversation with um, an atheist I know very well. Um, and uh, they always say they believe that there is true evil. And obviously throughout history, we, we don't need to name those people, but we know exactly who mm-hmm. we're talking about. And they were truly evil. Yeah. Truly evil. Yeah. Um, but and they say, how do you always say, got to look for the best in everybody? Because I, I try to. But, but that's, Not everybody's got it. <laughs> but that's not about them. That's more about me. When I yeah. look for the best in people, that's not about me dismissing what they've done or saying it doesn't matter or any of that. But it's about I have to believe. I have to believe in redemption. I have to believe in those things. And, of course, some, you know, it's not my job. That's the other great thing about believing in a higher power is I don't have to be in charge of judgment or retribution or any of that stuff. I can just go, okay, all right, I don't know what to do here, so I'm going to hold them for a second. And the job of a priest is that. People give you the heavy stuff to hold. They go, can you just hold this for a minute? And sometimes that heavy stuff is, I've just had a baby and I don't know what I'm doing, or it's my wedding day, or that. Sometimes it's really, really big stuff that they give you. And you go, okay, I'm just going to hold it for a bit. I don't have to hold it for long. They have to hold it for longer. I'm just going to hold it for a bit, and I don't know what to do with it. So I'll just sit with it and allow it to weigh me down. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. It's hard. You know, you have to sit in the darkness every now and again and dwell with it and go, this is tough. I had uh, a conversation with lovely nurses recently Ah. who uh, look after terminally ill children Mm. and they help the families. Um, This was at the World Child Awards. And they help the families and the the, the siblings and they they have to help the families through the child dying as well. Mm. And... They they all say the same thing. This is privilege, and it's my job, but it's a, it's a real privilege. And and they say everybody always says, "How do you go home at the end of the day after that?" And they say, "I just feel blessed." And I get that, like you said, you, everyone thought you're going to be a nurse. It's a similar. <laughs> it's job, very isn't yeah. It? It's it is. I mean, you know, I I I've done some. I've walked with some people in some really tough stuff, and it is a. It is a privilege. And you ask any you ask any jobbing priest, anybody who does professional religion, our best bits are funerals. Our, that's the best bit. Really? And and that sounds really weird to say the best bit, like you enjoy it. That's yeah. not quite the right word. But you know, when we Richard Coles and all that sort of you know, whenever we get together as vicars, that's the first chat we have is about who we've buried recently and how it went. Um, that's the shop that because you're got. holding the hands of and, the family. And we just, you the just friends. feel so blooming useful. Yeah, you feel so useful. You feel like this is what you were made for. And people come to you in this chaos, and they don't know what they're doing. They might only organise one or two funerals in their life. You do these every week, you know. And so you go, it's okay. Give me that. Give me that bag. Give me that heavy burden for a bit, and I'll hold it for you. All you need to do is grieve. I'll do everything else. You just grieve. And when you were talking about the pandemic a minute ago, you know, we clapped for nurses and doctors and rightly so. But every time I went out on that front doorstep, I was clapping for the grave diggers and the funeral directors and the creme staff and the mortuary staff because they just kept, they're just these calm, steady people who just keep the show on the road, just keep it going. And we all need them. Just death and tax, you know, the only two certainties in life. And I had a weird experience when my mum died back in January. Um, 
of being like the professional religious person who knew how to do a funeral. And my dad kind of went, off you go, Akita. It was really weird, you know, because he's obviously been a Yorkshireman. He's um, careful with his money, shall we say. And uh, I, I sort of said, well, we can get the funeral director to do everything, to organise all the flowers, organise all the orders of service, or, Dad, I can call in a few favours if you want. And, of course, you know what he went for. <laughs> oh, you call in a few favours, okay, to see what discounts you can get for us. So we we did a bit of that. But, it's, but there's, a re, you know, there's a reason why undertakers are called undertakers, because they undertake things for you. It is their job to undertake all the worries and undertake all the details of that day. Uh, that's so weird. I've never even thought of that as a net. That's what it is. You don't even have to open your own car door. You don't even have to put your own umbrella up if you don't want to. They undertake everything for you. How stupid am I that I hadn't even <laughs> realised that that's what the word was? Oh, you see, you see, see joy in everything. You really are. You, you're a, a joy spreader, and I like collecting joy spreaders. This and, and the thing is, we can talk about really difficult stuff like death. Yeah, like you but know, actually we have to. But, it's but we have to. to talk about. And it. even in those darkest, darkest moments, there is always something of joy to be found. I think. And joy is not happiness. It's not glib. It's not the. It's not the ribbon on a present. It's you know, happiness is a lovely thing, but joy is something very different, and it can be felt even in your saddest moments. There will be some deep. It's a contentment. It's um. It's a sense of being the right in the right place at the right time. It's knowing who you are, knowing who other people are, and joy is not pasting on the a, a, a red lipstick and a smile and getting pushing through it and going. Oh, she won't want us to cry. Actually, it's okay. Don't when someone dies, it don't really matter what they want anymore. It's about what you need. You know, so we can talk about this big, scary stuff. And that's what the book does. It talks about the big, scary stuff. But hopefully it it, it kind of goes, it's all right. It's going to be OK. There's still joy to be found. Uh, it's common knowledge that I was at Paul O'Grady's funeral. He's one of my dearest friends. And I'm so sorry. Um, and I know. And honestly, it was the most joyous funeral. Yeah. It was full of love and joy and laughter and tears and everything. And it was, it was, I came, I came back and I came home and I said to the family, that was one of the best things yeah. I've ever been to. Funerals should be great. Yeah. And, I, and it's not, I, I often get a lot of families, I've got, I've got a visit coming up uh, Friday, I've got one coming, I've got a funeral, because in the middle of all this crazy book promo stuff, uh, in fact, I was on Zoe's show, I was on Zoe Ball's show yesterday and my phone flashed up while I was on... <laughs> while I was on air and it was the funeral director my funeral director John Pinder going can you do a funeral next week for me and I thought oh, I'm really busy I really and I thought yeah I'm going to say yes to that actually because mm -hmm. in the middle of all this silliness it's not silliness but in the middle of all this yeah, kind of like no, celebrity yeah. stuff it's really important that every now and again yeah. I just go come on do a yeah. funeral it's good yeah. for you um and I think what happens is I go and see families and they go, oh, we're having bright colours and we want it to be a celebration of life. And I totally get that. I totally get that. But I think what we have to be really careful of is that we're not anaesthetising our grief and we're not allowing ourselves to be sad. But it's perfectly possible to be joyful and wear bright colours and have a celebration, but go, actually, my friend's dead. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's really hard. Yeah. I, I completely and utterly agree. And the more we all talk about all of these things, um, the, then it becomes more accessible and more okay. Yeah. You know, because people 
films aren't real life. No, no, they're not. Funnily <laughs> they're not enough, real life. And, and and that's what I mean. One of the things about the book is I I say I hope hope to be a curator of faith conversations. That's my job is to go. Okay, you don't speak the religion language. That's cool. You don't know what you don't want any of that bit. But perhaps we can offer some other things because you know it happens all the time. Wedding couples come to me. Funeral families go. Well, we weren't. We're not really a religious family. We're not really. It's all right. It's okay. You can have some of this stuff if it's helpful for you. You don't need to feel guilty or bad. Sure. And and people feel terribly guilty, don't they? They go, oh, I, I can't remember last time I was in church. And you're like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, the stuff of holiness and the stuff of spirituality. You don't have to go to church or to synagogue no, or to temple. No, I mean, it ha- it, all that stuff helps. But of course, if it helps, you know, I often think, I, I had a lady in one of my communities, very lonely. She went, I'm really, I went, come to church. She went, I'm not religious. I said, yeah, but they'll be singing in biscuits. Why wouldn't you want to come? And she's like, yeah, but don't I need to believe? No. If you leave. Did she come? Yeah, she did. Oh, come lovely. for singing in biscuits. She got herself on a rotor. She had a lovely time. Oh, and fantastic. I just think, actually, that, that's the job, isn't it? We've, we've become kind of closed-doored institutions, religions, where it's like, if you don't sign on the dotted line and believe all of it, then you're not a part of this. And I just, that, my, I don't, I'm not into that, really. I think if it's helpful for you, it's helpful for you. And hopefully that's, what that's what the book is of course it is you know and i love it when the quotes came in for the book it's so much fun because the first two quotes that came in were from a former archbishop of canterbury dr rowan williams i mean how he's uh, like the brightest man on the planet he's like a poet a theologian is an oxbridge professor he's incredible and sue pollard yeah, and i was like that sums up is. the book that sums it up. Rowan Williams, Sue Pollard, and everybody who wants to access anything that goes, actually, I had someone the other day say, people also say to me, um, I wish I could believe. I wish I could believe. And, or they say, when were you so certain that God exists? And I always want to go, hopefully any day now. Yeah. Hopefully any day now, I'll be certain. Because it's not called sure, is it? It's called faith. And it's nuanced and beautiful and complicated and difficult and frustrating. But it's added something to my life. And I think that at its best, it can bring joy and it can make this crazy existence a little easier to bear. As does lasagna. Always helps. That could easily be stew or, you know, uh, matzo ball soup. It could be anything, you know. <laughs> it could be anything that your thing is, but just that that nourishment, and that's what the yeah. book is. It's about nourishment. It's about going food always helps at everything, you know, Um and it's this idea that if in doubt, feed someone, whether that's literally or metaphorically. Um, my gran always used to say as well that it's harder for people to argue if they're chewing. If they're eating something, they can't argue with each other. So just feed people. Unless it's crisps and, and, <laughs> uh, it's crisps and, and apples, apples, then yeah, they're out of here. Kate, you are truly a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.